It's the Green Umbrella Marketing Social Snippet Show. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Social Snippet Show podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm really, really excited. We've got a guest on the show again this week. Um, I've seen this lady speak a couple of times on the subject of mental health. So I'm really pleased to welcome Rhonda D'Ambrosio. She's going to be talking to us about a few initiatives that she's working on, including a mental health and recruitment, and also the work that she does with the Kite Programme and a, um, something called a Venable as well that I think will come up. And, um, and her, she's got this Titanic thinking model, which is absolutely fantastic. If we don't cover it in enough detail in today, show then please go and check Rhonda out you can find her on LinkedIn and go and take a look at some of the videos she shared and the content that she's got around that because it really really is interesting stuff so as always I'm waffling again I will leave you to enjoy this week's episode we're live hello facebook how you doing um i hope you've had an awesome week we're here again for um live lunch with the green umbrella team who are a little bit depleted at the minute we've got people on holiday and off sick and that kind of stuff which is a real shame because we've had Rhonda agree to come and join us today and uh, we've just been talking actually we know Mark will be really jealous when he sees this and he sees all the guitars because you'd have been able to have a, a proper conversation about all things music and cover bands and and that kind of stuff um, but yeah the reason we wanted to um, get you on and join us is because well, Amanda and I have seen you speak a few times on the subject of mental health and, and that kind of stuff. And you've had all sorts of the fantastic things you've been working on over the last kind of, well, the last six months, really, I guess. Um, so we thought we'd get you in, get you talking about that and sharing some pearls of wisdom. Oh, well, first of all, I'll say thank you very much for having me, ladies. And um, hopefully my pearls of wisdom will be worth listening to. <laughs> <laughs> So some might say it's better than listening to us drivel. I don't know, but um, but yeah, well, that's highly likely. Yeah, but uh, no, I know you've got some fantastic things to share. So obviously, I've given a very brief pricey, but yeah, tell us tell us a little bit more and tell the audience what you've been up to. Okay, so I mean, I don't want to assume that everybody knows who I am, but I'm Rhonda D'Ambrosio. I've worked in the recruitment industry for nearly 23 years. I've done all manner of jobs. I've run my own business. I've run other people's businesses. But the last seven years for me, in one respect or another, have been very much focused on mental well-being and mental um, health in the workplace. And for me, in my, my kind of area of what I say expertise or my sweet spot is how our quality of thinking and how our flexibility of mind can really impact the choices that we make in, in the way in which we can respond to emotions. Because if we can nail that out, we are in, um, we're, all, we're already halfway there. Um, what I do now is I work with organizations um, uh, on wellbeing strategy. Uh, the stuff that I've been developing in the last six months, well, all manner of things. I keep saying, I feel like Khaleesi, you know, from Mother of Dragons, uh, from Game of Thrones, of all of these different titles of what I'm doing. Um, but by and large, if I start with kind of what I started to do at lockdown and the journey that I'm on, hopefully that'll be enough and you guys can pick my brain. So, um, You've heard me talk, you know that I go out and I'm a massive advocate for understanding how well-being in the workplace should be supported to improve not only people's lives, but also um, business, right? Because there is a business case that says if we look after our people, discretionary effort improves, and that does impact the bottom line. Um, 
as part of Even Able, what I've been working on is an app, an app around personal development and professional development, specifically for recruitment to give recruiters sort of a good uh, lead into all sorts of professional learning. But what makes it quite unique is that there is also a well-being and a mental health element. So there are tools and well-being activities within that that can support people's resilience. So that stems from the Kite program. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. The Kite program um, is an organisation in New Zealand that was born from a maternal mental health point of view. And the first iteration of Kite was Kite for Mums. And the owner of Kite, Hannah, had a background in psychology and human resources. And she experienced um, you know, quite a serious episode after the birth of her first child. She experienced um, acute bipolar. And that's, that's a, you know, a diagnosis that she got that she struggled with and that she decided you know maybe needed supported in the wider world because she kind of wanted to do things outside of being medicated she wanted to work on herself and this is kind of how kite came to life and it's a micro learning platform it's very calming and it basically supports people in bite-sized chunks so the reason kind of kind of kite recruitment came into iteration was because we were thinking well if you look at the adoption rates for learning and you look at what business owners and business leaders are trying to achieve they want people to take personal accountability and they're also struggling to maybe support them from a well-being perspective some businesses want to do more than an EAP and employee assistance programs and other people want their people to be part of looking after their own development so this is kind of how kite recruitment was born um, that's kind of what I do, I suppose, as a day job. So that's what's in beta testing and is about to launch um, off the back of some of the standard consultation that I've done and the work that I do with recruitment businesses to improve performance and to look at culture and engagement. Uh, but the exciting stuff, the thing that I'm really pleased about uh, right now is that all of the kind of work that I've been doing behind the scenes for the last few years has culminated in the launch of Mental Health and Recruitment, which is um, my not-for-profit that uh, for me is about driving change in the recruitment industry. It's about understanding the challenges that every single person out there faces and understanding that as, a, as an industry, recruitment is not the exception to the stats. Mental health and common mental health disorders affect us all. We all have mental health in the same way that we have physical health. And, you know, there is a problem in the industry. It's very much in the way that these situations have been managed. And also from the conversations that I've had with leaders over the last two or three years, you know, how they approach it and how they actually support their people, but also do that whilst looking after the needs of the business. So, you know, mental health and recruitment is about, you know, driving change and removing the stigma and the discrimination, normalizing the conversation, and, you know, moving us from an awareness piece around what it is to actually decisive action that I hope will lead to cultural change. So that, that was a long one, wasn't it? Sorry. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying, you've been doing so much. Like, you've just... You know, I mean, they say if you want something done, give it to a busy person. But you've just had so many projects on the go. Yeah. And yeah. I think, yeah, I think lockdown for a lot of people has been an opportunity to really kind of, you know, expedite things. And I kind of feel, especially with the mental health and recruitment, it sort of feels like you've you've just leapt on so far on that journey during this time. 
I think it's definitely been beneficial, Christina, in terms of, you know, having some being at home, being kind of not locked away in my study, but focusing my time. And, you know, actually, I guess mental health recruitment has been sort of slowly evolving. We've been building the proposition behind it for some time, but I was able to obviously execute on some stuff. And as I've mentioned numerous times, you know, I, I don't have sponsorship as yet. You know, we don't, uh, we're not supported by anybody else. Everything you see with regard to the website, the podcast, production the marketing you know with the exception of two graphics I've done all of that myself so I'm now hoping that because of the interest that we've got and the people that are involved that I can delegate some of that and we can make this and move this forward to sort of be the platform and the vehicle that I know it deserves to be um, so that that was almost a small part for me in lockdown and at the beginning actually kite recruitment had to go on hold because it was like right what's going on what's happening you know people weren't looking at spending money on development they were looking at how do we how do we help our people how do we manage our workforce and actually there were so many leaders that may not have had mental health or anxiety or anything like that on their radar that by being in lockdown I think understood that this was an issue and uh, what happened was um, Hannah at Kite she said to me I know we're trying to get Kite recruitment sort of out and launched but would you consider being part of a project team to build another resource a resilience through adversity program to support during Covid um, as part of some resilience experts in New Zealand a very well-known professor um, who was voted the, one of the NHS's top influential people a few years ago um, you know will you come in will you help us create the program and get Kite support to market and so for me that's one of the, my biggest achievements to date and that was prior to launching mental health and recruitment because even though we couldn't offer it for free it was about trying to do something and get the information out there to prevent overwhelm you know what we know is that you know when these situations happen when we are out of control when you have google where you can search all types of things there is so much information that in itself can start causing anxiety. So we thought that by breaking it down into sort of personal well-being, social well-being, you know, remote working, um, you know, leading a business from home and having to also factor in parenting and all of that, that that was a good, good use of time. So that was probably my first my first project during lockdown. Um, I then whilst working on mental health and recruitment and kite recruitment in the background um, did some work with trn i um created a recruiter resilience uh, well-being framework which was based on six different concepts and that was a great piece of work and you know pretty much took a lot of the stuff that i'd been doing and, and given to the market for a number of years but you know something that i was really proud to be a part of because the guys were giving that back to the industry for nothing so um, yeah I, I feel a bit depleted i've like given so much away and but i've never been busier so i'm um, yeah my husband's saying Right, you do need to start earning some money now so start giving back so much <laughs> cool okay you mentioned a couple of things there that i think we should sort of dig into a little bit so um overwhelm as a word mm. and i think some of the the things that um amanda and jane and i were talking about um what like when you were um when we were waiting for you to join the call I think it really kind of ties into that and sort of the changes that people are about to to go into now coming back into work and stuff so amanda i think you you had a question relating to this didn't you yes i mean loads of things i'm sure that you can we can chat through today and, and you can help us with Rhonda. but um i overwhelm is just a word that's been quite prevalent for so many reasons throughout the last you know, however, for four or five months. So people have been overwhelmed by the news, overwhelmed by the changes that are happening, overwhelmed by coping with homeschooling and homeworking, and now possibly overwhelmed at the thought of going back 
into an office, um, overwhelmed all the safety measures, going on public transport. Um, so I'm kind of, there's two questions, I suppose, and go for either of them. It, one, is that a trend you are seeing? You know, what's the sort of, what are people coming to you with at the moment? Um, and also, how, how do you suggest people cope with that? You know, what are some coping mechanisms that, that you would work on with people to, to cope with overwhelm? Um, brilliant questions. And I think, first of all, the, what I would say is yes, you know, if anyone is feeling that way, they're absolutely not alone. It's impacted us in many different ways. And, you know, as human beings, we're almost creatures of habit, aren't we? So when something like this happens, we experience that overwhelm at the beginning. And that's because it taps into our kind of very, very inner instinctive survival um, mechanisms that we that you know, we're pre-wired with. So it throws us off and we think, oh, is this, you know, is this a survival threat? And then that's why, you know, anxiety and stress kind of rears its head because of how we outwardly, you know, feel we need to respond. So, you know, for many people, they've gone through that first adjustment period and it's leveled. And, you know, think of the anxiety and the overwhelm that we were all feeling when we were told that we couldn't go out, we couldn't see our loved ones, we couldn't go anywhere. That was really, really hard. And I actually, I think I posted something near the beginning of lockdown to say that in some respects there'll be a surge. So many of us will have like an adrenaline surge in response to that survival threat that will enable us to find solutions. So some people will not crumble, but will struggle. And other people will try to, right, we're gonna solve the problem. And that's why you saw this big rush of, you know, this is what we're gonna do, how we're gonna get through, let's do this. Let's do. And it was amazing actually for our industry. And now what's happened is we've ridden this wave and we've gone through it and we've got used to this normality and now we're coming out the other side of it. But what gives us anxiety typically and what makes us feel very, very overwhelmed is that feeling that we're not in control. And I think many people are not mm. feeling in control at the moment. And if I look at a lot of the coaching I will do and some of the work that I'll do around quality of thinking, it's about helping people make peace with the things that they can't control and let go of it a little bit and focusing on what it is that they can control within that that may make them feel a bit better. You know, and even I've experienced, we were joking about it it was my husband's birthday last week and we managed to go out to a restaurant. Now, this was like, this is our first meal out as a family and it was nice and we looked forward to it. But then later in that week, I had my first out there face-to-face -face work meetings. Okay, this is, this is okay, this is all right. And then at the weekend, all of a sudden we had family members that had come down from up north that were spending time with us and I was suddenly seeing more people in the space of a week than I'd seen in four months. Still, I still mm. haven't seen close members of my family. And I was feeling, I don't, I'm all peopled out. I don't, I don't, I, I want to retreat back to the safety of my mm. lower deck with my gin, you know? And so, <laughs> so I think what you're talking about is, is very much something that a huge number of us are feeling. And my advice really is to, you know, actually it's okay. I always say, you know, you have to look after yourself and after your needs before you look after any any of those around you and and kind of the way in which you start by doing that is by being compassionate to yourself and not beating yourself up or giving yourself a hard time because you might be feeling that way yeah but then maybe analyzing well what is it 
that's making me feel a little bit overwhelmed. You know, mine was too many people. It was like too many people. I just want my dogs. Um, and, and understanding, well, okay, so does that mean that I just need to ease myself back into it? You know, I still haven't got on public transport. And I'm thinking, so when am I going to have to do that? I've got some clients that want me to go in. But I think it would be really remiss of me to say, book myself in, even for three days a week, in terms of getting on public transport, doing the tube, doing the train. I don't think that will be good for me and where I'm at right now. So you really got to sit back, not beat yourself up and be able to manage it. And if you're in a, a position, maybe with your employer, whereby, you know, they're asking you to come back in and you're struggling, you know, you need to be able to have an open conversation. And I think that's something I'm telling leaders at the moment to be very mindful of. You know, we're all feeling a little, a little bit fearful. You know, has it gone away? Hasn't it? We won't wear a mask last week. We've got to wear masks this week. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's a massive topic, Amanda, but give yourselves a break. Don't be, beat yourself up and try to pinpoint specifically what it is that is not making you feel comfortable. Mm. It's great advice. And we, do, we all, I say we all, that's a, a massive generalisation, but it feels like we prioritise our mental health so low on the list. You know, and I'm sure I'm, well, I hope I'm speaking for the others here, but I know we're all we're all busy. we're all really busy. Everyone's busy. We've all got stuff to do, um, and I kind of you know we know there are things that will make us feel better. You know, go for a walk, go for a walk with a dog, spend some time with the animals, get out in nature, maybe do some yoga or meditate, whatever you know works for you. And you kind of know that, but you think, well, I've got all this work to do first. I really should tidy the house. I really should sort the kids out do that meeting, write that blog and all the rest of it. And the stuff that, you know, helps you, you put it lowest on the list. Why do we do that? Why do we think it's okay that our mental health is so low down the list? I, th I think it's habit, isn't it? It's just the way mm. in which we've been and society has expected us to behave. Um, and this is still the topic of conversation that I'm talking about regularly around the disparity between physical health and mental health. You know, if, for instance, you'd had some kind of accident or you'd, you know, been and had an operation on your arm or your leg and you had to do physio, nobody would probably think twice about saying, actually, I need to take half an hour every three hours to, to do my physio. Um, and a lot of the techniques that I was talking to people about a few months ago about, you know, chunking everything down, working in sprints, uh, you know, making sure that you realign your expectations of yourself in order to kind of hit these mini milestones. It's not just about, um, you know, it's not a, a strategic tactical business technique as such. There's real science to it. You know, when we lower our bar and we give ourselves right, we can we'll chunk it down we will hit this mini milestone and then we'll do that and in two hours i'll do this we're accessing our dopamine in a different way you know you've heard me talk about brain chemistry previously you know our dopamine is released when we're anticipating reward so we have to realign our expectations of reward and not work too too hard so uh, i say not work too hard not work towards a goal that is out of reach is probably what i mean by that you know so you know if Okay, I'm going to spend this morning, I'm going to do my blog, then I'm going to give myself a reward. Now that reward just might be, you know, for me, I just might go and sit in my garden, put my legs in the sun for five minutes um, while I have a cup of tea, or I'll finish off something that I'm doing and then make a point of going to talk to my teenage daughters as I don't see them until the evening because they're in their rooms, I'm here, my husband's somewhere else. Um, patting my dog on the head you know <laughs> things like that like well I shut my dogs out of the study all day long so it is difficult and it does take practice but it's no different to if you want to be physically fit and you are going to eat well and you're going to go to the 
on a repeated basis, you know, you have to do the same with your mental health. You have to work at it. You have to repeat those exercises, but mm. it's finding the exercises that are accessible to you and that are what that will work for you as an individual. Hopefully that makes that makes sense. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. Jane, has Amanda stolen all your questions? <laughs> well, I have covered quite a bit of, of what I was thinking, but sorry, <laughs> sorry, Jane. No, it's all right. Um, one of the things I'd sort of been thinking about actually, though, is as sort of leading on to that being overwhelmed and things. And what I found actually quite tricky working from home all the time is is the lack of anything different happening, and I think that makes a really big. I was, I was lying in bed the other night and I couldn't fall asleep. And whereas normally I'd think about things I was going to do or that I had done, I said, there's nothing to think about because nothing has changed. And, and I think that's one of the things I found quite hard. And I don't know whether you have, like you said, maybe it is a building rewards in and things like that, you know, making myself go outside and sit in the garden for half an hour or, you know, listening to a podcast about something different that I've not done before. Um, I have actually taken up running too as something different just so that there's something different in my life really and um yeah so it's really questions around that really so how how do you get more variety into it and how how do you stop yourself getting into that mental i've got nothing different i think it's a, a, I, again you know it's a, it's a really good question and, and it will be different for every single person but the you know for me i'm such a big advocate of growth mindset and of challenging ourselves and pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone and i think it's understanding you know am i you know Am I feeling not bored, but you know, it's the same old stuff because I'm putting myself in my comfort zone because I feel safe because there's no fear. If I, if I do different things, I, t I told you they'd like to come and say hello. Yeah. My, my, my husband and my daughter are back from netball practice. Hopefully they're not too loud. They, um, they love to steal the limelight from, from me. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so it's, it's about stretching yourself and doing things out of your comfort zone and maybe considering, you know, what are some of the things I would like to be achieving you know what are the different sorts of things that maybe I want to pursue and you know I've always been a big fan of saying you know do the job you want not the job you've got so if you you know are you doing the job you want what other things would you like to factor into that you know could I just jump on and, and look at one of the you know Coursera or Udemy places and, and just learn something different or is there a project that I've kind of put to, to one side because it, I haven't had the time to do it so you know I get I guess it's that trying to ignite our own minds, Jane, into, you know, what, what is going to, what's really going to push me? What, what, how am I fulfilling my purpose? You know, and I think so many of the conversations again, again, four months ago, I was talking prolifically about purpose and about the things that motivated us as individuals. The reason I coped so well in those first few weeks of lockdown is because I was so focused on getting kite support to market as quickly as possible to make a difference that it, it was brilliant, you know, and yeah, I, I haven't been bored. I think I actually need a little bit of, I need some downtime, some quiet time. <laughs> mm. It's, um, I think, it, you know, the, like, it's the adrenaline rush as well, isn't it? When you've kind of, when you've got that growth mindset and something like this happens and you, you have that razor focus, it actually, you, you get this rush that keeps you going. But I think the danger sometimes is actually, it's keeping that rush there, it's keeping that level there. Because if you don't, it's like, it's such a fall, it's such a drop. And I know that there's been a couple of times where, like in the last four months, where I've just gone, do you know what? I'm really, I'm really struggling today. And it is, it's just that actually, I've, 
these things I've got to get done. Well, I tick them off the list. And I was like, okay, well, now what? I and guess there's some science in that probably, Rhonda. Is you'll, you'll know better than me about how the spikes in chemicals can give you, can give you like a, a crash afterwards. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, just, just like you're going to, you know, those, those chemicals will only last a certain amount of time. Yeah. And we know that we can't be happy all of the time. And the reason we can't be happy all of the time is because actually have an inbuilt safety system that's saying you know we have to know when things feel bad in order to impact our survival right it's that threat to survival and christina you use the word adrenaline and that's really interesting if you look at ancestral man and um you know you consider predators and you consider some of the challenges that ancestral man would have faced um you know running away from a, a, a kind of old i don't want to say prehistoric dinosaur because i don't think those timelines marry up scientifically but a predator um you know adrenaline is gonna is gonna come and gonna spike and gonna see you through it yeah um you know cortisol is a very different chemical cortisol is the kind of that that lurch that i've talked about that you get in your stomach which essentially well, something's not right something's not right and then you choose how you respond you know we cannot survive on pure adrenaline yeah, you know, if we were running away for something in fear of our lives, we'd probably run faster than we'd ever run before. But, you know, you're never going to be able to do that and sustain it on an ongoing basis. So the idea around the brain chemistry and the work that I do is how can we tap in to the different chemicals and what strategies can we in to do those things to, to measure the fact that we are going to we are going to lull. Yeah. Um, you know, Things like somebody said to me, oh, you must be really riding high based on the response you've had to the launch to mental health and recruitment. You know, it's amazing. It's amazing. But I kind of know enough to know, well, that's just that's that's one thing that I've achieved. And I'm really happy about that. And it's not that I'm on a, I, I, I'm being negative or I'm on a downer. But, you know, that's not the, the end goal for me. That's one part. That's one of my mini milestones. And it's understanding. Actually, these are the things that I need to do now to, to do something else. And you know, actually, if I'm not getting it at work, and if I'm feeling a bit low, you know, what can I do to, to get that, right, I'm talking about the chemicals you've heard me talk about before, um, you know, that rush of oxytocin, right, that the one that makes us feel bonded to people, that makes us feel close, that we experience when we trust, you know, I will, I'll go and get oxytocin by proxy by patting my dog on the head. So it's, it's understanding some of these strategies. And that's what I'm passionate about. And the stuff that I like to talk about, because, you know, if we want to feel good, if we want a bit of extra serotonin, what can we do to make ourselves feel good? Well, maybe I can't recognize all of my achievements, but maybe I can phone up Amanda and I can say to Amanda, by the way, I just want to let you know that, you know, I recognize you've done this, 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 and this. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. Not only will Amanda get a tiny little bit of a surge of, of, of feel good factor, but I'll feel good because I've communicated that to you. So quite often, you know, I feel that we're just not educated about how our brains work. And there is a simple way to do it that actually can really drive our improvement and our happiness and our understanding that we don't have to be happy all the time and actually we sometimes need to go away we need to let that adrenaline drop back down and if we're completely deplete depleted we need to refill the pot we need to decompress we need to recharge and we need to understand that it's not about feeling guilty when we do that it's it's just like the phones right we have to plug our phones back in for them to be working at optimal level and it's one of my favorite metaphors it's the same for us we cannot work at Duracell bunny level 100% of the time. Totally get that. And, you know, people are welcome to ring me up at any point and tell me if they think I've done something well. 
yeah, there was, some, there was no favoritism no favoritism in on that with ladies on that but the thing oh, is i think that's being said because they know i'm just like that's never gonna happen is it man <laughs> i did not give a sly smile most of what you did too everyone just said do the job uh, what was the phrase, exact phrase you use do a job that you do love the job you want not the job, the job you've got. You have to. i could see christine you're probably thinking don't say that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, can I jump in with another question? Sorry, I, I am. I feel like I'm monopolising, but this topic is totally up my street, and I'm. I am very interested in it. And the battery recharging. Um, there's a lot of stigma around men and mental health, yes. and then perhaps being less open to talking about it, less willing to reach out for help. And you often find that women have these really close relationships and we're starting to meet up with our friends. And it is, it's like a tonic. It's like a magic tonic. Now we're starting to meet up in small groups with our family or friends. And it just gives you that, those kind of extra power bars of battery. Um, guys, you know, unless they've got a particular hobby, they're you know, maybe in a band or in a, a running club or something. I just feel like they should be able to they struggle a little bit more to have that connection. So are you finding that you're having more conversations around that or is it, yeah. So you know, um, what sort of advice have you got for the guys out there? Do you know, men's mental health is a, is a topic very, very close to my heart. Um, you know, one of the reasons that I created the podcast mental health and recruitment was to encourage people to share their stories and to talk about the fact that, you know, yeah, they've been dealing with some of these things. Um, you know, what we know is that the male suicides uh, sit at 75% compared to women at 25% in terms of the balance. Um, we know it's a problem. And yeah, we know that, you know, men aren't talking as much as we are and talking helps, whether it's official um, talking therapy or whether it's, you know, talking with your friends and us ladies, you can't shut us up, can you? So um, I think one of, one of the things that's come out of a couple of the conversations that I pre-recorded for the podcast is that when men have been able to have a conversation with a friend or it has come up um, whether through them being honest or something actually happening when they've talked about it it's made a massive difference and what's really interesting is that when they have opened up and they've said to you know a friend I've been struggling or just don't know you know this is how I've been feeling more often than not their friends have said I've been feeling the same way or I felt like that a year ago and immediately that improved how they felt about it and that's that's the stigma element, Amanda. That's the fact that, you know, people think that it's just them. And there is a huge piece, I think, in, in our industry, in any of the sales industry, you know, ego is very much tied to what we do and success and what is expected and perception. And, you know, the conversations that I'll have with business leaders, you know, in the last few years may have been, well, you know, we're, we're really, we're a great, I talked about this um, on Hisham's podcast, oh, we're really, oh, we're really good business, we're really strong, you know, we're really resilient, our guys are fine, there's no mental health issues. And actually, when you start digging in and I can talk about conversations that I'll be having with within businesses, you know, these guys are struggling. We're all struggling at some point. The stats are the stats and we are not exempt from them. You know, common mental health disorders such as stress, anxiety and depression will affect one in four of us at any one time. But what we know is that actually those stats are based on what what people know, what gets reported on. And not many people are coming forward, not as many people will come forward to get that diagnosis. There's so much goes undetected. So yeah, I think whether it's a community piece, whether it is anonymously, or whether it is through listening to the podcast and, and finding relatable content, um, you know, guys speak to each other. Yeah. 
What I've done actually, one of my sons suffers quite badly with anxiety and he's, he's only 14 and he's been suffering for a couple of years and he's, he's you know, talked to a counsellor and things like that. And um, one of the things that I think as that's brought out for me is it's really important to actually get them to talk about it when they're young too. Yeah. So I'm sort of hoping that, that that experience for him will at least help him talk uh, more to people as he gets older. Yeah. I mean, my other son, he, he doesn't really talk about anything. He's always fine. And, and I never know whether fine is actually fine or not, but <laughs> I think he is actually fine. But the, the elder one, yeah, he's, he's had a few problems and, and it's, I really hope that that carries on through. And I do think we need to, it needs to get tackled at a young age so that there is less stigma attached, especially yeah. like I said for men. There's still, I, I see it all over my social feeds. There is still, um, you know, this demographic of people that will say, oh, well, you know, why are, why are the next generations, they're snowflakes. Oh, what's with this snowflake mentality? And it's like, you know, geez, you, you know, you're not, you're not, again, you're not exempt from this yourself. I'm sure that you may have faced um, struggles. So it's like, wow, what is it? We've got to have this really macho view. We can't just all be human beings. It's, there's no shame in it. 100%. Definitely. Okay, so uh, I want to wind back a little bit to when I very first met you, Rhonda. So I'd been at a lot of events and heard people talking about sort of, you know, mental health in the workplace and sort of the science behind it. And actually the, the event I first met you at was um, an APSCO event. And the same day you were speaking, there was a, another guy speaking um, who was kind of like university professor, Oh, Rob. Yes, Rob G, molecular psychologist. Yes, and like he, the stuff he shared was amazing, but massively overwhelming for someone that's not kind of tuned in, if you like. And you know, I really enjoyed his presentation, but it was a bit kind of blinded by science. Um, and in that presentation, so you did your presentation, and... It was just, it, they were like poles apart. And I think you have such a unique approach when you're talking about your subject matter, but your, your level of knowledge is, is on the same level. Oh, thank um, you, Christina. Yeah. But the thing you shared that day um, was you talked about your Titanic thinking model, which is fantastic. And I would love for you to share some of that now and even if it's a condensed version and we yeah. put a link in the comments to a video somewhere but I think it's just such a powerful model I'd love you to share it with us oh I'd be delighted to and I really appreciate your feedback there's nothing worse than getting up and talking about neuroscience um, when you're not a neuroscientist and finding out that you've got a molecular psychologist following you but uh, Rob was uh, incredibly generous and actually you know wrote me a wonderful recommendation on LinkedIn about the knowledge that I've got so yeah that I really appreciate your comments more than you know um, so uh, Titanic thinking there is an article on the mental health and recruitment website that you can refer back to but I'll give you a very brief overview so we all know what the Titanic is most of us aren't under a rock we know that she was um, a beautiful ship that you know set sail was reported to be you know totally unsinkable and what we do know about her is that in 1912 she sank so when I talk about the Titanic and Titanic thinking, I'm talking really and I'm referencing her structural engineering. So one of the reasons she was said to be unsinkable is because through in her hull throughout the bottom of the ship, she had these 15 dividers, these you know, watertight um, bulkheads, which created 16 compartments. And it was said that she could have four of those um, compartments flooded and she still wouldn't sink. And this was one of the reasons that they said tech not tech 
technologically, you know, she was going to be great. There, you know, there are some reasons why I think they said, oh, it could have been better. There was no ceiling on the compartments. I won't get into all of that. But I relate to the Titanic and her sinking very much to how we manage our mental health. So if you can all imagine that you've got these 16 compartments in the Titanic, and what's happened is, is she started, you know, she's got hit by, well, she's hit the iceberg, massive trauma down the side of her, 300 foot gash, and then the water has started coming in. So it started flooding one compartment, then it spilled over to the next, then the next, then the next. They said it wouldn't go any further, but it did. It went into the fifth and she started to go under. I relate this to how we manage our lives and all the things that we're dealing with at any one moment, whether it's our job, whether it's our health, whether it's our kids, whether it's our partner, whether it's our dogs, whatever it is you're dealing with. And when we look at what we're dealing with, we will be emotionally um, either flooded or not flooded to any degree, right? So if everything's going well, and for instance, you guys haven't been furloughed and you're still earning some money, you know, work and career is not going to be flooded at all. It's going to be good. But maybe there's some other things happening in your life. Maybe your health's not great and you're emotionally flooded about that. Or maybe there's a problem with a loved one's health and you're emotionally flooded about that. And what we know is that you know, negative thinking and negative automatic thoughts are a little bit contagious. You know, once they start, it's very hard to stop them. So typically, if something bad has happened in one aspect of our life, we can let our feelings about that and our emotions flood into another compartment. So if things aren't very good at work, for example, maybe some of those feelings you have might spill over into your relationship with your partner because, you know, it's, you're, you're struggling to cope, you're overwhelmed, and, you know, there's a chance that maybe they're frustrating you, maybe they don't understand, and that could then cause problems in your relationship, and so on and so on and so on. If work's not good, your relationship's not good, you know, that's going to maybe impact how you're dealing with the kids or how you're, you know, whether or not you're looking after yourself or doing exercise, you get the, you get the idea. You can start flooding. So Titanic thinking is about actually let's not just, it's not about compartmentalizing, but just, just take a step back and look at all of these different things we're dealing with and score how flooded we really are. And it serves kind of a couple of different purposes. First of all, we can get quite clean diagnostic on what we need to address. But more importantly, for me, I talk about the fact that you have to recognize the things that you're not flooded in. So actually, when you look at it, maybe your relationship is really good. You might have assumed some things are bad. You might have gone into that all or nothing thinking, which is causing you to think the whole world is, is just terrible. You know, so I've got a teenage daughter and oh, sometimes, no, she's not good at anything. But when you start to question each of these different areas, you get a much clearer understanding of the things that are bothering you. And that serves to also remind us of the things that are going well. You can use that to yourself to look at, well, what is it I need to achieve to maybe improve how I'm feeling about that? Why do I feel that way? And what actions could I take? You know, or I often use it as, as part of my toolkit, my coaching toolkit. And I've asked leaders to do that as well when they're having conversations with people. Because, you know, quite often we will just assume that things are terrible. We will um, allow that overwhelm and that anxiety to spread into different areas of our lives. And then we can feel very, very out of control. And, you know, metaphorically, when we consider what's beneath the surface, um, you know, with regards to our mental health, and we compare that to the Titanic as the ship, you know, if we're not very, very mindful, we could sink. Or the people around us can sink. You know, you might have a handle on your mental health and what's going on, but you might be working with people, you know, you might have loved ones that are struggling under the surface, the men that we're talking about. And the idea is that we're giving people an opportunity, if we're in a position to use something like that to work with them, a way to start the conversation or to address that this isn't great. 
And you know, what we know is, and this is the science, that when we start asking ourselves questions, so when we're trying to diagnose, well, how are we feeling here? How are we feeling here? You know, why are we feeling that way? And what can we do to improve it? We are automatically moving out of the emotional part of our brain, uh, the hippocampus and the limbic system. And we're moving into our logical brain. We're moving into the neocortex. And that in itself slows down our emotional responses. So that's why it's, a, for me, a fantastic tool and a great way and a great analogy um, for people to get a handle on, you know, how they're feeling. And you can do it just about work and in work, or you can do it about your personal life or you can do it about everything. So that's that's like, yeah, yeah, instead of going to the gym, maybe you do Titanic thinking once a month and just keep a handle on your emotions and how you're feeling about stuff. Brilliant. I could talk all day about that. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, it's like, I'm, this is gonna sound really awful. I always say something mildly inappropriate. Um, there's a lot of people talking on the subject and there's a lot of people talking on the subject that you just start to switch off because it's the same, the same, the same. So I think when you're able to, you know, and you know, maybe it's because we're in marketing, but whenever you've got something like that and you've, you've got a store, you've got that vehicle that you can use to communicate it and communicate it well, it makes you stand out from the crowd. And, and I think that, you know, that's, that's the thing and that's why you know from the first time I heard that I've always always remembered the Titanic thinking thing it remembered the analogy so you know it's that kind of brand recognition as well isn't it um so in terms of the mental health in recruitment obviously it's not for profit um you've been doing some marketing around that you've been producing loads of videos and that kind of stuff um you, I've not seen you do masses of video sort of prior to the launch of this. So was that was that a bit of a thing to get your head around with the video, or did you were you able to just embrace it? Um, yeah, it's a funny one. It's I think it's a time element, isn't it? So I don't mind doing the videos. I think you know it always gets easier the more you do it. Um, you know, I've I, I did a talk. I did the Inspire event. Do you remember that was a year or two years ago? And uh, that was videoed and I wasn't doing it myself so I wasn't aware of it so then I'm more happy to throw it out but yeah I think you know what I what I'm understanding about you know marketing and about the branding element is that people want to connect with you people want to see what it is that you're doing and they want to understand that authenticity piece so you know let's go back to kind of what Rob was talking about that day at APSCO you know if you can be open and honest with people and if you can share with them you know what it is you're doing you know what's going on I think you know for me it's about getting that message out there in the best way possible um I'm a stickler I think for trying to do things the right way and as I said I haven't got a team of people behind me doing it so you know even when I was doing the, the teasers and the trailers for the podcast like somebody said to me this morning did you do that you did that yourself I'm like yeah <laughs> well you know why don't why you go there's no end to your talents and I said it's really nice of you to say that but it's more that well I've got you know I, I'm doing it all myself you know um if somebody came along and said hey we'd love to do that for you and as part of sponsorship for mental health and recruitment I'd be well you know well I don't know if I would. I feel like I've just given birth and I'm still nursing it. <laughs> still your um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I had a great response to, I put a video out to just, just sort of say to people, look, I've been really very genuinely overwhelmed with the response that we've had. Um, the amount of messages that we were getting through the website, through email, through LinkedIn, still working through them. And I felt the easiest way to kind of maybe get back to everyone in one go was to say, here's a video. So, I've, you know, maybe I know I need to do more of them. 
but I'm like, I've got to subtitle them. I can't just throw them out. You know, I've got just only not long had my roots done after four months. So <laughs> yeah, there's a whole process there to go through. Um, okay, so you would, you'd agree with that. You guys are marketing, right? What do you think? Yeah. You know, more video, or do you think everybody's doing video? Is there a right way to do it? Do you, you know, I'm thinking it shouldn't be overproduced because does that take away from the authenticity? I, I'm not an expert. I'm just muddling my way through. Do you know it is it's natural light and go for it it really is the 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 authenticity is so important it you can't you know all we need all you need is a mobile phone you know and you can record that video and if you stutter actually it makes it more endearing if you mess up your lines then yes you're human we can relate to you and and i think that's the key now don't get me wrong to have properly produced video is important as well um, but I think that kind of the day-to-day off-the-cuff kind of stuff and there's all you know there's so many apps and things out there it's really accessible to be able to produce your own your own content now in that way mm. um, LinkedIn live if you haven't got access to that already it seems like they're speeding up the um, mm. kind of people getting access to that so I'm hoping from next week this will be able to live stream this on LinkedIn live as well um, instead of just just on Facebook so yeah I mean the video stuff you're doing is fantastic and uh, you know i'd assumed you were using sort of one of the the video providers that that we know um so it's, <laughs> thank, it's great thank you i think great yeah <laughs> um in terms of helping to promote um obviously you know the stuff you've talked about today i think a lot of people will be a hundred percent wanting to support and get behind whether they're in the recruitment space or not so what you know what's on your wish list in terms of people helping you to promote the activity um oh god wish list so we've got some key actions that we're trying to get through at the moment because of the um response that we've had and the people that are saying they'd like to be involved and they'd like to become champions we're redefining what it would mean to be a champion for mental health and recruitment and looking at what you know what people can give and how they can get involved um, as soon as we've done that, then we're moving towards maybe a, a mini marketing campaign to get more information out there so that people can understand why an individual wants to be doing this or why it's important to them. There is criteria for the champions and um, everyone that's involved has met that but also it's about really wanting to get on board and to drive the change with us so the next piece really is um, just finalizing the awareness to action pledge which is the big big thing for me that is how we're going to drive change and the awareness to action pledge is really the opportunity for recruitment businesses to say hey we do care about this and we do want to support the mental health and the well-being of our employees and um, we're committed to it they will then go through um, um, a roadmap that you know, just as I say tweaking and finalizing but like many of the others especially time to change is built on the core principles of the findings of the thriving at work report um, but the businesses a little bit of a framework in terms of how they can achieve this and what they can look to to get back from doing it you know it's not about making it an arduous task it is about education and simplifying a way in which recruitment business owners and business leaders and hr professionals can take their their business on a journey and consider the needs of the business and the needs of the people addressing the right things in terms of hr policy looking at how they can combine you know having a process to deal with uh, mental health in the workplace and sort of their duty of care as outlined by the health and safety executive with being a people first organization so you know the aim for me is that by the end of next year we have a huge number i'm not going to put out what, what i want just yet we're still discussing it 
of recruitment businesses that are sticking their hand up and saying, yeah, this is really important to us. And then they're committed to making this part of their ongoing strategy in the business. So I don't know, in terms of what I want, what's on my wish list, exposure, people to follow the page, people to share the page, people to listen to the podcast. Um, you know, I don't want to say people to give me money. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you know, but we're looking at how we would spend money and what we would do with that. And I've actually, there is an initiative that we're talking about. We're in collab. We're talking to somebody at the moment, a potential partner, um, which would be really exciting. That would be um, a great collaboration whereby we could really give some very specific mental health support to our recruitment community uh, on top of the peer-to-peer -peer community support that we're already getting out there with Need to Chat. So there's, there's, there's loads, yeah. Ask me again in a month, can I come back on and I'll tell you what I, what I, what, what I need, yeah? <laughs> Fantastic, cool. Um, Jane, Amanda, have you got any other questions for Rhonda at all? Probably loads, but it would take up the whole afternoon. I feel like I've monopolised today's conversation with you, Rhonda. But um, I guess one thing we need to say is that we can share some of the links. So, um, you know, we have, uh, you know, we've had people coming on and dipping in and out of the, the conversation today. Paul Green, our normal, our normal stalker, is here as well. He's really um, found your Titanic thinking interesting as well. So we'll pop, pop some links in there, I think, um, so people can get in touch with you as well and, and maybe carry the conversation on. Yeah, super. I'm so grateful, ladies. Thank you. I do appreciate you um, having me on. And um, I feel like I've just dumped a load of information to everybody. So if, if anyone wants to contact me, I will do my best to be more succinct about our plans, our strategy and how anyone can help us and um, change, change the industry. Brilliant. Cool. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, really, really appreciate your time um, and your message. So that, that's been fantastic. Um, we will be back next Thursday at 12 noon. Um, so it's, it's just the Green Umbrella crew next Thursday. And we'll be going through sort of the, the social media updates and, and trends and news pieces from the last couple of weeks. Um, so until then, we'll see you all soon. Thanks for tuning in. Bye.